0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, April 11th edition of The Basement Academy. I don't know how your weekend was, but ours was wonderful. It was full of surprises. Uh, On Saturday afternoon, my wife and I were sitting down, playing cards with uh, our son Turner and his girlfriend, and who should walk in but our daughter Bailey from Kansas City. Saturday was her birthday, and she had been conspiring all along uh, with her two brothers to surprise us by coming home on her birthday. And so what a joy, we were overwhelmed, You know, had that kind of temporary, I don't even know what's happening here. I hear her voice and I see her, but I don't understand. And then it was great to have her in church yesterday. So those of you who know her uh, will appreciate what a joy it is to to have her home with us. All right, we're in Holy Week. Holy Week's a time of reflection As we march towards, we've had our hosannas, we now march towards Friday, uh, Thursday night, uh, the the celebration of the Lord's Supper, Friday, uh, Good Friday, and then the the empty tomb celebration uh, at Easter. And I think our study of the Sermon on the Mount uh, will help us uh, in our um, Holy Week reflections. But let me begin with a morning psalm. Uh, It's a short, sweet, simple psalm, Psalm 131. It's one of the pilgrim psalms as the people would make their way to Jerusalem and it's it's a psalm of humility. It says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Amen. May we always have such a childlike trust. (laughs) I'm not going to try to figure everything out, God. I don't want my my heart and my eyes to to be all lifted up. I want to simply receive from you. Okay, let's conclude or let's begin the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Last week, we closed out with um, the golden rule, Jesus contrasting this way of the Pharisee and the way of the kingdom, the Pharisaic righteousness and kingdom righteousness. So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and prophets. After that, Jesus turns and he begins to make a set of contrasts. He he talks about two gates and two ways. We're going to read that in a moment. He talks about two kinds of trees and two kinds of fruit and then two kinds of builders and the foundations they build on and the result. And so two gates, two ways, two destinies, two trees, two kinds of fruit, two builders, two kinds of foundations, two kinds of outcomes or, or destinations or results <clears throat> from those, th- those buildings. And so in the conclusion here, Jesus is trying to make the clearest contrast possible between the Pharisaic way of righteousness and the kingdom way of righteousness. And so he uses language, familiar language to his audience. Steeped in the law and prophets, they would have understood the language of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me read just a portion of that. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Mm. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Um, Joshua chapter 24. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers beyond the river or the Lord God himself. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Psalm 1 talks about the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous like a tree planted by streams of water. The way of the wicked like chaff that the wind blows away. The way of the righteous will thrive and prosper. The way of the wicked will perish. Proverbs lays this out. You've got the wise and the fool, the the righteous uh, and the unrighteous. And so it's constantly uh, laying this out. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, there's some great language there. Oh, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Mm. And so Jeremiah uh, preaches at a time when Israel, they've gone so far astray that even when presented with the call to life, they say, we we want none of that. We're going to walk in this other way. And so when Jesus uses the language here, let me read it. Enter through the narrow gate. This is uh, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And so he's making a contrast. He's, He's setting a contrast here. You have a wide gate or a small gate. You have a broad road or a narrow road. You have uh, a destruction or you have life. You have many or you have few. And so, four different contrasts. Wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and many find it. Small is the gate. Narrow is the road uh, that leads to life and few find it. And so he's he's putting something in in front of us here. Now he's fulfilling the law and prophets. Okay, that is he's drawing upon law and prophets—Moses, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Like he, so he's he's drawing upon all of this and presenting it in in front of us. How are you going to choose? That this is familiar territory for them. They, they they may have forgotten that, but but Jesus is calling back. He's calling them back to the ancient path here. Actually, standing in the the tradition here of the prophet Jeremiah. And so the the contrast that he makes between the small uh, gate and the the wide gate is serving two purposes. It, it's serving to clarify. Okay, so he 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 wants to say, hey. The, What I'm talking about is nothing like what these Pharisees are putting in front of you. These are two completely different worlds, two completely different lives, two completely different systems, two completely different ways, okay? The way implies both the path, but it also implies a destination. If you get on this path, you are going to end up in this destination, okay? And so way is, is a deep, rich word um, in the, in the uh, Jewish tradition. The way of the righteous or the way uh, of the, uh, of the uh, wicked. And so he's clarifying, this, this contrast that he offers here is clarifying, but it's also serving as a call. Enter through the narrow gate. That's the imperative. It's a command. Do this. Enter through the narrow gate. Mm. I want to talk for just a a couple minutes about the narrowness of the Christian way, the narrowness of Jesus Christ, and, and what I've put here on the whiteboard, the narrowness of truth and grace. Now, people call Christians narrow all the time, but maybe not for the right reasons. And we Christians may think of the narrow way as something other than probably what it is. And so we're called narrow-minded sometimes because we're not accepting, we're not tolerant, we're judgmental. uh, We won't consider other opinions or views, and so sometimes Christians are called narrow-minded and um, with some merit, and, and rightly so, that there is a narrowness that we ought to uh, adhere to, but sometimes we are narrow-minded in ways that are judgmental, that are intolerant, that, that are not reflective of the way of Jesus. Um, but sometimes we Christians think of the narrow way. We talk about, oh, I'm on the straight and narrow. And we think that means we avoid a certain set of activities as if the narrow way that Jesus is calling us to is simply about smoking cigarettes um, or drinking alcohol or attending certain kinds of movies or uh, engaging in certain kind of literature or you know, swearing and gambling. A, a, a certain set of vices that we avoid So now we're on the straight and narrow. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't do all those things, but that is not what Jesus is getting at here. The narrow path that he is advocating, I would offer to you is, to borrow some of the Gospel of John's language, is the path of truth and grace. Not truth or grace, but truth and grace. And so the Uh, John chapter 1, we read that the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And it is this tension between grace and truth that that becomes, that that, that sets the, the boundaries of the narrow way, as it were, grace and truth. Not grace or truth, grace and truth. And so picture, if you will, the gymnast, you know, on that balance beam, right? They're up in the air and that when they fall off, they fall off on one side of the beam or the other, right? And I would offer to you that that we each do the same. We we fall off on the side of truth or we fall off on the side of grace. Now, now work with me. <clears throat> to a truther, to someone who falls off on the side of truth, you know, I'm committed to the word of God, the inerrant word of God, every word that I read in my Bible is true. And we need to live the truth and we need to, you know, hold that truth up and hold it out for people. Okay. So truthers. To truthers, grace looks like license. It looks soft. It looks so tolerant that it condones sin. And so we who fall off on the side of truth, we hold up the truth and we say, you're sinning, okay? Now a grace to a gracer, you know, who falls off on the side of Jesus taught us to love and accept people no matter what. And so the gracers fall off on, the, on this side. And so they're over here and to a, a gracer, someone who, who, who embraces grace is the most, uh, the, the greatest virtue. They see somebody holding up truth and that truth looks like condemnation. It looks like judgment. It looks harsh. And so I think that's what happens. (laughs) We fall off on one side or the other. I'm committed to the truth, and so we see a lot of things out there that look like sin. You know, I fall off on the side of grace, and we see things over here that look like judgment and condemnation. But see, Jesus didn't come full of grace or truth. It's full of grace and truth. And so we follow a Lord who calls us to this narrow way of truth and grace so that he would go to meet with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees were saying, he's a sinner himself. It's guilt by association. How dare he meet with those people? And so his grace looks like License to them, right? Jesus meeting with the tax collector and sinner, uh, Jesus associating with the woman at the well, who's, you know, had five husbands already, right? And his and his colleagues are like, what is she doing talking to this guy, to this lady, or the woman caught in adultery, right? You know, so Jesus is willing to meet people. His grace leads him to meet with people. He'll touch the leper, and they're going, ah, you can't touch a leper. You know, he meets with tax collectors and sinners. To, so to all the truthers, Jesus in his grace looks like he's condoning and, and, and uh, licensing sin. It's giving license to sin, okay? But Jesus in his truth, as he, as he meets with them, in his grace, he meets with them, but in his truth, he calls them out of that life. Go and sin no more. The man that you have is, you've had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband. Come, follow me. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I want to eat in your house today. And and so the grace that meets him there, and then all of a sudden the truth that confronts uh, Zacchaeus, and and he changes his life. And so it's grace and truth. And so this is why it's so hard for us to walk the the way of grace and truth, truth and grace, because we prefer tribes, (laughs) And so you're either conservative or liberal. You're orthodox or progressive. You're us or you're them, right? (laughs) And so our tribalistic instincts, we don't like to live in the tension of grace and truth. Because when you walk on that balance beam, you get criticism from both sides. So if you're walking on the path of truth and grace, and you you meet with people that, whose life and lifestyle might not conform to what scripture says, i.e. the truth, and you're meeting with someone to be in conversation with them, building a friendship with them, et cetera, the truthers are gonna argue and they're gonna say, you have become uh, so tolerant that you're, you're now a liberal and you're, you're, you're condoning sin by not, you should preach to those people and tell them that they're wrong. That's the voice of the truther, okay? But in the truth and grace, if you, if you uh, meet with these people and then call them to a different life and you lift up the words of Jesus, then those gracers are going to look at you and say, you're being so harsh and judgmental and narrow-minded. So you're going to get shot at from both sides. If you walk the narrow way of truth and grace, you're going to get shot at. You're going to be criticized by both sides. And that's why so few find this path so few walk it. Grace and truth are difficult to uphold. They're difficult to uphold. Uh, We've been in some conversations as a church family about the future of Greenwich and how we align ourselves going forward. And that's a truth and grace conversation. And not everybody is, the leadership of the church is trying to have a truth and grace way forward and not everybody can hear it as grace and truth, truth and grace. And, and so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here for now. So what I wanna offer to you now as we close out this reflection and enter into Holy Week, what's your tendency? And, and what's the tension? You know, do, 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 you, do you fall off on, on one side or the other, truth, grace? And how do you look at folks kind of on the other side of that balance beam? Do you see them as harsh and judgmental? Do you see them as sinners and, and and to, you know, so tolerant um, and and giving license to sin, condoning sin? If you have any of those thoughts towards other people, that, that's the way, you know, if you look at people as sinners, as you look at people as soft, there's probably some indication that you're falling off the balance beam on one side or the other. It is a narrow road, friends. We're gonna keep talking about that this week. But uh, as we... Uh, take some Holy Week reflection. Hopefully God will lead us into greater grace and truth. Father, thank you for loving us deeply through Jesus Christ, the one full of grace and truth. Help us always to follow in his steps as we make our prayer in his name, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of mercy fill you with truth and grace today. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.